I'm glad you have. We want to uh, be especially mindful of, uh, as was mentioned earlier, by the, the Nix's boys as they're going to Atlanta. They're not going to, to try out for any team. They're going to try out for the Braves tomorrow. So we want to be praying for these guys. Yeah, they've got a, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, you know, that's not quite as big as playing for the Cornerstone softball team, but it's pretty close. Okay, the records are about the same right now. Okay, records are about the same. We might have been a little better, but hopefully you guys can improve the situation up there in Atlanta because it's looking pretty dismal right now. But uh, I'm really glad, I'm really proud for you guys. God bless you in that. Uh, as was mentioned today, too, our dear sister Carolyn is getting ready to depart for New York. And uh, as was appropriately mentioned, that'll leave a big hole in our heart. And uh, our hearts go with you as, we, you know, we want you to leave a piece of yours here. And uh, we're grateful for that. We're grateful for the time that, uh, that you have had down here with us. Well, if you have your Bible... You want to open to Matthew chapter 11 or turn your phone on or tablet or whatever to Matthew chapter 11. That's where we'll be. That's where we'll be this morning. <clears throat> when I began in student ministry or youth ministry years ago, it was always my habit to take a few days off, three, four days, sometimes a week off. I would take a week off right before the summer began. Because in youth ministry, that is the, the busy season, okay? You know, it's kind of opposite for, for teachers and, and students. You know, school year is kind of busy, but, you know, and then you get to take a little bit of a break during the summertime. But in, in youth ministry, it's kind of the opposite. You know, as soon as school ends, you know, there's, there's camps and there's, uh, there's uh, conferences to go to, there's impact, there's mission trips that you might go on, there's service projects, there's all of these different things, and it is non-stop, and it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And so, because that was such a, a busy time of year, I would take those few days to sort of mentally prepare myself, to, to spiritually prepare myself for what was coming because I knew that by the end of it, I was going to be drained, that I was going to be just absolutely just worn out and I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be worth much. And so I would take those days just to sort of prepare myself, to, to pray, to think through my plans, to ask God to bless everything and to bless our students and, and bless what we wanted to do. I would take that time to to rest, because once the, the summer began, you know, it was going to be a gauntlet until school started back. And there was one summer where I, I didn't do that for whatever reason. I can't remember if, uh, if I had other things going on that prevented it or if, if something came up, but for whatever reason, there was one particular summer where I did not take those days off. And I remember thinking back, you know, this is the toughest summer that I've had in, in youth ministry, okay? I just, I felt, I felt disconnected uh, from, from people. Uh, I felt unfocused. I felt like I really wasn't connected to God in the way that I should have been. And that summer, that summer was 
grueling. And by the end of it, man, I was ready to, I was ready to hang it up. You know, I was, I was done. I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I don't want to do this. All I wanted at the end of that summer was, was peace. All I wanted was, all I wanted was, was rest. Well, I don't know about you, but it's been a long week. You know, anybody else felt like they've just completed a really long week? Give me a hand if you have. Raise your hand. Yeah, good. I'm glad I'm not alone. It's been a, a really, really long week. And I know especially for some, like the, just the ones I'm aware of, I know that, that Carolyn and, and Frank and Bethany have had a really long week. You know, they've been over there packing and uh, loading up just every day this week. And so I know they have had a, a really, really long week. You know, that's just, that's just kind of the way it is. It seems like it seems like we just sort of have weeks like this, and, and many people they're weary and they're they're worn out by their jobs, or or finances, or or, or lack thereof. Maybe it's uh, school or other commitments, and I think we probably can all agree that we are are very good at overextending ourselves. Yes or no? Are we not? We are very good at removing the margin that God intends for us to have in our life. We're very good at taking that margin, that rest time, and filling it up with stuff. Are we not? Yeah, and, you know, and what that does is that, that makes us feel stressed. Okay, that makes us feel tired. <clears throat> it makes us feel worn out and, 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 and just, just feel like we're, we're kind of just, just running ragged. And if it's not those kind of things, then there are a lot of people who are, are dealing with with sickness and, and disease, okay? If you know someone who is going through cancer or has been through cancer or had some sort of lasting ailment, you know, that, that can take a toll on you, can it not? It's not just a, a physical toll that that takes, but man, emotionally, mentally, that can begin to tire you out spiritually, you know, and if it's not that, you know, there are all kind of people who are, are battling depression and other demons like that I, i'll be honest with you right up front there were a couple of days this week where man i just i felt like i was really battling okay i felt like you know my, my prayers weren't going anywhere in fact i got to a point where it just i i just couldn't find words to pray you know we talked about that before of when life starts hitting us hard and and we struggle to find the words to pray and even this morning as i got up and and started to get myself mentally prepared for the day i felt that way you know, and I, the, the only thing I knew to do is to go to the Psalms and to pray the Psalms. And so I went to, to Psalm 31, 9, and 10, and it talks about being weary, and it talks about being worn out, it talks about being broken, and that I, all I do is, is sigh. Because that's, that's what I felt like, not just today, but I felt like that a, a good portion of this week. And many people feel that way. And many people come to worship feeling that way. There are others who just, just feel like they have no direction in life because, after all, it seems that we live in an, in an age of, of just absolute uncertainty. There are many, many people that just feel worn. You know what I'm saying? Can you relate to that? where the world is just running you constantly, where you feel like you're never going to get a break, where you feel like it's always something, and you just feel like 
the world is not going to let up on you. Listen to the words of this song and see if, uh, see if they speak to some of that.
Isn't that a great song? If that's the way that, that you feel this morning, the good news is that Jesus offers rest for your soul. Hear the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I just... Let those words just kind of wash over you for just a minute. Those of you that just a few minutes ago that were saying, yes, the world is wearing me out. Life has got a lot of stuff going on. I, I have no margin in my life. My job is driving me crazy. I've got overcommitted to different things. If that's you, just, I mean, hear these words maybe for the first time when Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Isn't that good news? He continues in verse 29. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, my interpretation of that passage when I was younger was, you know, this is talking about people who have, you know, they, they've worked hard. You know, they've been dedicated. You know, they've kind of had their, their shoulder to the grind. They've been doing thing and, things and accomplishing their tasks for the Lord. And it's, it's those people that Jesus is offering this, this rest to. But there's actually a lot more to it than, than that. When Jesus makes this statement, he is speaking to those who are desperately trying to find God under the law. He is speaking to people who are desperately trying to do God's will, and under, under the law, they were finding this next to impossible. There were just too many laws, and when they couldn't keep up with them, you ever, you ever got behind on something? You ever got behind on, on work? Or you ever got behind on payments or something? And, and what does that do? That just makes you feel great, doesn't it? No, it just builds stress upon stress upon stress. It adds weariness. It's those kinds of things that, that run us ragged. Okay, well, that's the way it was for these people who were trying to follow God's law, but they just couldn't do it. And so it caused even more weariness. It caused even more despair. So when Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. Man, imagine what that must have sounded like to those people. Those people that were so worn out, they're trying to find God, yet they can't get to God because they can't live good enough. And yet here is God in the flesh saying, come to me, you who are weary, you who are burdened. What a, what a breath of fresh air that must have been to those people. And he offers this invitation to those who are, who are seeking the truth, to those who are diligently looking for God but have failed, those who are, are trying but time and time and time again, they, they come up short. 
Isn't it good to know that we're not alone in that? Because time and again, I come up short. Okay? Time and again, I, I fail God. And it's good to know that this isn't a, just a 21st century problem. But these people in the time of Jesus were having that same struggle. And Jesus says, come to me. You know, the, uh, the ancient Greeks, they had this, uh, they have this saying that says it's very difficult to find God, and, and when you found him, it's impossible to, to tell anyone about him. You know, and if you're, you're struggling under the law, that sort of makes sense. How can I find God? I can't live right enough. I, I'm not good enough. I keep failing at this law-following thing. It was Job's friend Zophar who, who asked him, you know, in, in the midst of all of this calamity, in Job 11, verse 7, he says, Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? You know, can you get close to God? Can you get to the, to the depth where God is? And, you know, under the law, this was extremely difficult because there were just too many laws for them to follow. There were 613 laws that the Jews had to follow. 613 of those laws. You know, it's incredibly difficult. And, and not just that, there were these sort of these pseudo-laws that they would make up and sort of set around the actual law to keep you from breaking the law. Okay, they became like these religious fences. Okay, now then they weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath day. Okay, they're supposed to, you know, keep the Sabbath day holy. Okay, and so harvesting... You know, you go out and you harvest your field. That would be work. You're not honoring the Sabbath day, okay? But they wanted to make sure that they absolutely weren't going to break the law, and so they set up a religious fence around that law and said, if you even pick a few heads of grain to eat because you're hungry on the Sabbath, you're breaking the law. You can't do that. And so they, they would set a law around the actual law to keep you from breaking that law. And so... It just became more and more cumbersome, more and more of, of, of a burden. You know, it's no wonder that these people couldn't get to God. You know, as, as Paul is going to start to write about grace, as he's going to start to write about how we're, we're justified freely, that we've all sinned, but because of the grace of Jesus Christ, we're, we're set free before he gets into any of that stuff in, in Romans chapter 3, he is dealing with some things, and he is saying that basically there is nobody, in verses 19 and 20, there's nobody who is righteous under the law. But the good news is that the search for the weary, the search for the weary ends in, in Jesus himself. With Jesus, it's not about making sure that, you know, you, you absolutely don't break any of the rules. I mean, we want to try to live right. But it's not, if I set one toe out of line, I'm condemned and I'm taken away from God and I can't be near Him. That's why He said in, in chapter 12, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. As a matter of fact, if you just keep reading from the end of chapter 11 right into chapter 12, you see that story where his disciples are picking the grain. They're walking along on the Sabbath day and they're hungry. And so they begin to just pluck a few heads of grain to eat. Now then, you know, a head of grain, that's going to 
fill you up, right? No. So this is a, a relatively small task that they're doing, and yet the Pharisees, they come to Jesus, and they say, what are you guys doing? You know, you're, you're breaking the, the law. You're doing what they shouldn't be doing on the Sabbath day. And then Jesus, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, says, are you crazy? He says, don't you remember what, what David did? How they went in and they ate the bread? Because they were, they were hungry. Jesus says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What Jesus is saying, and, and Jesus is not going to say that, that obedience to God is not important. He's not trying to say that. But what he is saying is that love and need, and this is important to him, love and need will always trump rules. Does that make sense? That's why he says, if, you know, if your ox falls in the ditch on the Sabbath day, you pull it out. You know? Why? Because the people depended on that ox. Okay? They depended on that animal for their daily existence. The religious leaders would say, no, you can't do that. You've got to let that animal stay in the ditch, let it suffer, maybe even die. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not, that's not, what, this was the, not what this is about. I desire mercy. That's what I desire more than anything else. I want to see mercy from you above anything else. Sacrifice is good. But mercy is better. And that's, that's what I desire. Love and mercy will always trump rules. And so the way to, to know God and drawing near to Him, it's not through some exhausting mental search. It's not through a meticulous rule following, but it's by accepting the invitation to to come to Jesus, and it's, it's through the Son that we gain access to the Father. Just back up one verse to verse 27, and notice what it says. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. You want to know God? Get to know the Son. The way to God is through the Son. Okay? Jesus says, if somebody wants to know God, I'm going to reveal them to them. Okay? He says, if you want, you know, the people who, who get to know God are the people whom I choose to reveal Him to. And it's then that He extends that invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary. You know, he extends that to a people who for years, for their whole lives, have wanted to know God, had wanted to get to God, wanted to come in contact with God, but they couldn't because they couldn't keep up with the demands of the law. And then here, Jesus, God in the flesh, says, you want me to reveal him to you? Come to me. Come to me. You're weary. You're worn out. You're tired. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle. I am humble in heart. 
with me, you're going to find rest for your soul. You can imagine what that would have sounded like to those Jews who had longed to come in contact with God that were beaten down by, by a burden that they could not possibly imagine. When Jesus invites the, the weary and the, the burden to come to him, he's talking to these Jews that are worn out by trying to, to follow God but failed. You get to, to Matthew chapter 23, and Jesus goes off on the religious leaders. As a matter of fact, if you, you go to there, and you can, you can look at that later in your own time if you want to, but you, you go to 23, and Jesus just unleashes these woes that he pronounces upon the religious leaders, upon the scribes and the, and the Pharisees. And, you know, he's, he's talking about what they have done to the people, that they have made getting to God so difficult, and that's why Jesus just unloads on them. In verse 4, he says, speaking of those religious leaders, they tie up heavy burdens that are hard to bear, and they lay them on the shoulders of others. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. In other words, you're making life so difficult. You're putting all these regulations into place and things that shouldn't even be in the law. You're making things incredibly difficult for people to come to God. And you yourselves are not even following your own stuff. You lay this heavy burden on somebody and you don't do anything to help them. You just leave them there with it. You know, it's no wonder that people felt tired, that they felt worn out. To the Orthodox Jew, religion was a life of endless rules. There were general and specific rules. There were ceremonial and, and social. There were moral, there were punitive and reparative. They were mired down in a life-draining bog of regulations that dictated every part of life. Uh, Scottish theologian William Barclay said that they must constantly be listening for a voice saying, Thou shalt not. Or in a modern translation, my name is no. But let's talk about the yoke of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus invites all to take his yoke upon our shoulders. He invites all to take his yoke upon our shoulders and to lay our, our burdens down. Now then, yoke, you know, that's a, a, not a word that, that we use often, or we think of yoke, we think of eggs, you know. I mean, that's primarily, you know, when I read that, that's primarily what came to mind. You're thinking sunny sign up or scramble, you know, that's, that's what we're thinking about, okay. But a yoke, you know, it's that wooden thing that you see them in Cracker Barrel. Okay, you know, it's this, this wooden, looks like a brace, and a lot of times there'll be, a, you know, a, these, these bars where the neck would go in, and they were used to drive animals, okay? All right, and so when, when Jesus says yoke, what he is talking about, he's, he's saying to enter into submission to, okay? When you yoked oxen together, they were yoked together. They were in submission of the person driving them. Okay, and that would bring them together. It would bring them under control. And so when Jesus uses yoke, he's talking about entering into submission to. The, Jews, the, uh, the Jews spoke of the, the yoke of the law, the yoke of the commandments, the yoke of the kingdom, and the, the yoke of God. Jesus' invitation extends not only to the Jews who were burdened by religious obligations, 
imposed by their religious leaders, but to all who are burdened. That includes me and you. Those of us that are weary, those of us that are, that are, that are worn by the things of this world, this, this is an invitation to all those who are put off by the pretensions of, of human religion. There's a, a great quote by a guy named Doug Webster that's going to be on the screen. And he says this, His yoke is, either, is neither cheap nor convenient. The surprising promise of the easy yoke was meant to free us from a self-serving, meritorious, performance-based religion. It is easy in that it frees us from the burden of self-centeredness, liberates us from the load of self-righteousness, and frees us to live in the way that God intended us to live. The easy yoke sounds like an oxymoron. And nowhere does Jesus promise soft ground for tilling or level paths for bearing the load. But what he does promise is a relationship with himself. The demands are great, but the relationship with Jesus makes the burden light. It makes the, the, the burden light. It's about, what we see is it's about the relationship with Jesus. So many people that I have known, including myself for a time, have thought the way that I get to God is by living my life absolutely perfectly, by following every single rule, not just following them, never breaking one. And I could, I could rate my own righteousness because I could take my righteousness and I can lay it up against your righteousness. And if you weren't doing as good as I am, well, I must be doing all right. I'm pretty good. You see what I'm saying? But you see what that creates? That doesn't create righteousness. That creates self-righteousness. And it's not, and that's what Jesus is trying to get us to say. It's not about that. Okay, I think that's the message he wanted the Pharisees to understand as well. It's not about that. It's about a relationship. I desire mercy, not, not sacrifice. Apart from the, the grace of Jesus and his saving work on the cross, you know, it would be impossible to convince people that the easy yoke is, is doable. You know, because cross-bearing, that, that doesn't sound like an easy thing. But for those who live under the yoke, those who live under the yoke of Jesus know that there is absolutely no other way to live. Am I right? Those that live under the, the yoke, the control, the influence of Jesus know that there's no other way to live. I mean, who in their right minds would return to the gods of self, return to the gods of money and lust and, and power? Who would return on bended knee to the shrines of performance and, and judgmentalism? Is not love better than hate? Purity better than lust, reconciliation better than retaliation. 
And is not better really easier when measured in character rather than convenience? Rest for the soul than selfish pride? You see, Jesus invites us. He invites us to lay those burdens down and come to him for rest. And so that leads us to our our growth point for the morning. And it's simply this. Jesus calls us out of life-draining religion into a life-giving relationship with him. Okay, if you're, if you're following Jesus or following God is primarily about trying to live right enough, you cannot do it. Okay? If, it's, if I don't do this, if I put one toe out of line, or if I fail, if I break a rule, if I don't follow, God's going to destroy me, God's going to send me to hell. You know, it's that... Jonathan Edwards centers in the hands of an angry God. I would say rather it's that we're sinners in the hands of a loving God who loved us so much that instead of sending us to hell where we deserve to go, he sent his son to earth to say, you who are weary and burdened, you who have blown it, you who are having trouble getting to me, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you you will find rest for your souls. Let's pray together. Father in heaven,